Well, hello and welcome to episode number 323 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and on today's show we find out about the latest news from Boeing regarding the MAX, an unusual alliance between BA and everyone's favourite low-cost airlines formed to take on the government and Istanbul launches its reign as Europe's largest airport with three simultaneous takeoffs. In the military news this week, the wreckage of the F-15C Eagle that crashed off the coast of the UK has been found, and the US Air Force announces its options for private air refueling companies. And finally this week, something to look forward to, uh, Matt talks to Captain Al uh, about in-flight air systems and our first instalment of our new segment for the show, The Plain Truth which I'm very much looking forward to. So without further ado, let's whisk you over to our PTUK Master Studios where Matt is there, hopefully pushing all the right buttons. <laughs> At, uh, as, uh, yes, but not necessarily in the right order, I believe, as is, is the phrase goes, isn't it? <laughs> there we go. So how, how are things with, in the world of uh, Matt? I understand you've... Um, You've got a couple of beers to try. This I week. do absolutely. I'm, I'm I'm reaching the end of my first can, uh, which I've misplaced. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have to confess, our, our producer is very nervous because there's there's usually a reason why I don't drink. Uh, so we'll see how this goes. What could possibly go wrong, eh, chaps? So you've got 19 <laughs> left to get through. Uh, no, I had one last night, and then oh, this okay. is can number two here. So yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. So we're doing all right. We're doing all right. Yeah. So, oh, I know. I, I know. It's just having a look at the cat. It's not just the heat. I've gone red already. This 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 could be. A disaster <laughs> oh blimey i keep blimey. pressing the fade button look this that's how badly i'm doing i'm fading <laughs> actually i think there's, there's probably quite a few beers on the list on that list of um treats that, that are in the kind of six percent realm are there think, oh Matt. blimey yeah. oh, i didn't even so think about that i assumed they'd be weak oh no <laughs> So anyway, we'll, we'll yeah. let Matt uh, leave yeah. Matt to, to press the, the, the two I've got are only 4%. Don't panic. Oh, we're, we're safe. We're safe. <laughs> so, we're, so moving on to our, our next co-host this week. And uh, it's safe to say this, uh, this guy, this man, this gent is uh, the absolute don of advertising when it comes to beer-based beverages from a large UK airline. So... All the way in his stately mansion over in Buckinghamshire. Big hello to Neville Bounds. Yes, hello. As you can see, I'm on brand this week. Um, and a uh, couple of gold cards have just come through the post today as well, which is very nice of those BA boys. Just so you can see what one of those looks like, Pip, if you're watching. Um, <laughs> oh, right. But, okay. Uh, anyway. Great to be back. Um, sorry I wasn't around last week. It was our wedding anniversary, so I thought I would have the night off, if that was okay. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, I understand the start of the show last week went sensationally well. No problems whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, that was fantastic. It always happens when you're not here, Nev. Something always goes wrong when you're not on duty. So uh, Now, obviously, wedding anniversary would normally involve meals out and things like that. I mean, it must have been a bit of a strange one, actually, to be honest, um, given what we're going through at the moment. Yeah, it was a t uh, takeaway from the local Indian. And I have to say, the lamb address is normally absolutely spot on. <clears throat> Unfortunately, this week, or last week rather, uh, I'm sure it was a vindaloo. Someone oh. was having a bit of a laugh. 
And, uh, well, I'm not going to go into any more detail at all, but uh, it was right. suboptimal, shall we say. Okay. It, it wasn't one of those where you had to put a, a, you know, a toilet roll in the freezer or anything, was it? I'm not saying any more about it. Okay. That's it. I've just the, the uh, already. Yeah. The, the sales of talcum powder have gone through the roof. Right. Good. Lovely. Yeah. I'm anyway. not sure why that would be a thing, but anyway, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so for those of you watching, you may notice that we're missing Armando this week. Unfortunately, Armando can't be with us this evening because uh, he is, you know, one of those few who is still very busy flying around uh, the US of A. So, uh, Armando, we do miss you, and hopefully he'll be back uh, next week. But um, he has sent us some military stories in, so don't uh, don't despair. But uh, we're going to say a quick hello to everyone who's in the chat room, actually. Everyone who's joined us uh, this evening in the chat room. Loads of people in the chat room tonight. It's good to see everyone there on this Friday evening. It is the 19th of June. My word, guys, it's nearly, we're nearly into July. It's kind of, it's almost summertime. Um, but, uh, but yeah, big hello to everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. Great to see you all there. So, Matt, we've got some stuff at the top of the show, haven't we, about uh, a certain meetup that's happening in a virtual sense tomorrow evening indeed yes absolutely if you're listening to the uh, podcast version of the show unfortunately you've missed it um but uh, yeah we've got uh, a little saturday night zoom beer session uh loads of people i think we've got over 30 people i think in there already for uh, for this uh, for this saturday so very much looking forward to that that's going to be a, a lot of fun 7 p.m uh, tomorrow evening or saturday evening i should say so that's saturday the 20th of june if you are watching this on youtube at the moment and you haven't sent us an email do so podcast at plaintalkinguk.com that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com and basically uh, say you'd like to join us on the little zoom meetup that we're having and we will send you the link uh, simple as that really but um, yeah as I say got nearly 30 people no in fact we have got 30 people who are all going to be joining us so it's going to be uh, really exciting looking forward to that and uh, I, thanks to Carlos I've got plenty of beer to enjoy as well so who know, knows two nights in a row <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to that but uh, also I was going to say, oh. worth mentioning as well, actually, that um, uh, if you're looking for something to do before we have our little Zoom oh, yes. meetup, uh, we do have a very kindly sent to us uh, the, the, the guy uh, from the guys uh, that are doing it. He says, it, uh, maybe I shouldn't have been introducing it while I'm trying to find all the links. But, uh, do you make it carry on? Uh, right. Yeah, you, you do it. I'll, I'll, I'll look for the link. Hang on. Look for the link. So uh, for those of you who cast your minds back to Biggin Hill a few years, last, last year, wasn't Biggin Hill last year, you remember we interviewed or matt interviewed one of the guys from aerobility now these guys do a kind of uh, a flying thing for the for the disabled people which is absolutely fantastic and it's for the british disabled flying charity uh, they've got uh, what they're calling the armchair air show which is going to be tomorrow uh, at 2 p.m bst uh, between 2 and 6 p.m uh, they're going to be uh, bringing a thrill of air shows to your living room around the UK and beyond. Uh, expect free access, exclusive hand-picked footage from air displays. Uh, the military and space accompanied by commentary by the pilots. Live interviews with some of the world's most iconic aviators. And opportunities to view exclusive, never-seen uh, footage uh, all from the displays over the course of the last few years. Brought to you by Aerability. Um, so um, Matt hopefully will have the link for that, but it's going to be on YouTube. Yep. And uh, if you want to go back to when Matt interviewed uh, the guys at Air Aerability last year, if you take yourselves back to episode number 285 of the show, 
and uh, ish ish um <laughs> it's been told it's uh, it's in our big and hill compilation of uh, interviews that we done last year so that'd be I wonder if we've uh, wonder, just wonder if we've got time uh see how we get on perhaps later on in the show whether we could actually play it out um, yeah I'm, that's a good I'm, idea yeah i'm yeah. just uploading it at the moment so perhaps yep. that might be yes we'll, we'll, we'll do that on the fly so we'll we'll perhaps move on yeah. with the show we could perhaps sort of do it in between military or something couldn't we yes but, uh, yeah uh we will see okay uh yeah, so th- those of you who are listening, um, best place to to go to look at the 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 link um, is uh, escaping me. Um, it's air yes, uh, so it's the airability website. So it's www.airability.com. A e r o b i l i t y dot com, uh, and I'm just trying to get the. Uh, what I'll do is I'll make sure that the links are in the bottom uh, of uh, this uh, when it goes out afterwards. But it's really worth a go. I think is it. What time does it start? Was it about? I think it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I think wasn't it? It's uh, 2 p.m. Oh, 2, 2 p.m. BST yeah. until 6 p.m. Absolutely. tomorrow. And then you've got an hour to go and grab a drink. Uh, and uh, uh, then you can join us for our little meetup. So uh, we have a little bit of a teaser. So you can. Here's a little teaser about what to look forward to. I miss air shows. I'm Mike Ling, checking in. Mike Ling, display running on time, you're cleared on slot. Cleared on slot, copy, Mike Ling. Armchair Air Show, Historic One, checking in. Mike Ling and Historic One, over to our flight display director, Mike Miller-Smith. Ladies and gentlemen, we have ourselves an air show. Red Arrow! going to be so much fun we have to make sure we're watching that don't we that looks that great. awesome that Cracking. looks awesome <laughs> and with, let's let's be fair guys we need this in this current climate because obviously we're not going to be able to go to any show, air shows possibly this year we're hoping still hoping uh that we'll get uh, to go to the malt air show in september that still uh from what i heard on a interview a few days ago which nev um um, put the link to me through actually for on YouTube. That was, was it one of the Maltese news stations. Yes, it was. You, you know how sometimes uh, YouTube tries to do a translation for you. Oh my! <laughs> uh, it, it did try to do a translation, and boy, what a holix it made of it. So uh, the the gist that I got from it was that it is still going ahead, and they're very much look forward looking forward to seeing us there. So. Um, we'll have to see but um, I'm sure there'll be special social distancing measures but it is at the end of September so we've got a little while to go yet so let's uh, let's see how we do yeah yeah indeed so Uh, without further ado then oh I can say no. I've just popped up on the screen that you can see. If you want to jot that down, I've actually. It's a bit of a a, a tricky uh, one to yes. do so, but uh, yeah, the, the link. For, as I say, uh, those listening to the audio version of this and that, the link will be. I believe it's going to be available afterwards as well, isn't it? So if you don't catch it at the, uh, at, the at that time, it will be available to watch afterwards. But uh, yeah, there we go. Right, time to move on. Excellent. So we better do some aviation stuff. So without further ado, we're going to start the show then, as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if everyone's ready. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. (laughs) 
So kicking off this week's first news story, and we thought just for a change this week, we'd talk about the 737 MAX because... You know, it's been a while, to be fair. It's been a while. It's been a while. So uh, this headline then, and uh, the article has been written uh, with sources from Reuters.com and CNBC.com. So Boeing are likely to undertake key 737 MAX certification flights in June. Uh, so Boeing is aiming to conduct a key certification test flight on its grounded 737 MAX jet in late June. Two people briefed on the matter said on Wednesday this week. So the sources also warned the date could slip into July. Oh, July. So it's, it's obviously going to slip, isn't it? Not to be fair there. So Boeing uh, did not comment on the certification flight timing, but said uh, late Wednesday on the 10th of June it had won approval from the Federal Aviation Administration for a service bulletin that details the modifications required for 737 MAX wiring. Boeing has already begun modifying aircraft that have not yet been delivered and is coordinating modification efforts with the airlines, the company said. New aircraft being built will include the update, they've also said. And Boeing has said that it's shared with airlines draft pilot training materials and related information to help operators facilitate and plan the development of their training programs. Reuters has previously reported the FAA does not plan to clear Boeing for a resumption of the 737 MAX passenger flights until at least August. So um, elsewhere, actually in the uh, US, uh, 737 MAX sparked senators to introduce a bill to reform aircraft certification. Uh, this is uh, in Seattle, Chicago. Uh, U.S. Senators introduced legislation on Tuesday that would uh, strengthen FSA oversight of aircraft certification following the fatal crashes of the 737 MAX. The measure seeks to eliminate the ability of aircraft makers like Boeing to unduly influence the certification process and seeks to change how the Federal Aviation Administration proves, approves aircraft. Uh, the primary goal of the legislation is to make sure the FAA remains in the driver's seat when it comes to certification, said Cantwell, a politician of Washington State, where Boeing manufactures most of its aircraft. The proposal includes only technical changes from a draft circulated last week that was reported by Reuters. The draft bill, called the Aircraft Safety and Certification Reform Act of 2020, would require a change aimed at preventing unique pressure or instances of perceived coziness or failures to maintain independence between the FAA and Boeing employees conducting certification tasks. The draft legislation would give the agency new authority to hire or remove Boeing employees conducting FAA certification tasks, appoint safety advisors and grant new whistleblower protections uh, to employees. It would also authorize $150 million over 10 years for new FAA training and to hire specialized personnel. The draft bill also addresses concerns about human factors, saying when certifying a new aircraft type, the FAA must address the cumulative impact that new technologies may have on pilot response. Uh, consult outside experts and also notify other international regulators and encourage them to make evaluations. Now, it's uh, one of these uh, reports that links this as well uh, this was on the, the um, Reuters.com, actually. says that um, the 
pilot behavior. Draft bill also addresses concerns about human factors, saying the FAA must review and potentially modify existing assumptions on how pilots identify and respond to cockpit situations. We all know about the, the runaway trim uh, on the MCAS system. Uh, federal review concluded Boeing underestimated the effect of a malfunction on uh, of the new automation software in the aircraft could have on pilots who were dealing with a cacophony of alerts in both 737 MAX crashes. Now, I remember when this report came out on the FAA's website a while back, and they had a detailed list of uh, like a um, um, of what was going on in the, in the, on the flight deck at the time, um, especially in the Ethiopian crash. And it is safe to say when reading that, the pilots did have quite a lot going on on the flight deck when this was happening. Yeah. Yes, and um, I think that we've seen this before, haven't we? That there's when there's a major emergency going on, there's a lot of noise and then potentially a lot of distraction as well. I know Al's talked about this many yeah. times about the cacophony of stuff that's going on. Um, so all of these things, as tragic as these accidents have been, there are lessons that are being learned from them, thank goodness. And I think it's just as well there are. And one of the things clearly was the relationship between Boeing and FAA, which has been questioned and at least talked about many times previously. So if that gets, um, has some degree of separation and it sounds like the, there's a lot of work uh, being done uh, on, the, on in that uh, aspect, that's going to be a good thing, I think, definitely. Are you looking forward to, to, to flying on one of these eventually, Nev, at some point? I am, actually, yes. I mean, I'm not a massive Boeing fan, but um, I think I ought to take a flight on one, at least, um, mm. once it gets going. Um, there's an awful lot um, just parked up, aren't there, uh, waiting for revisions. And I was... I forget what I was looking at on YouTube the other day. They were telling... They were saying about how long it's going to take to get all of the software revisions and all of the modifications for all of the aircraft back in the air, even the ones they've made, let alone the ones that were coming off the production line. It's a long time. You know, it's over mm -hmm. a year is what they're talking about. And with all these aircraft parked on uh, one of the pictures on the story, actually on this Reuters link for the story here shows, we've seen it before, the, the 737 MAX is parked on the parking lot mm. at uh, the Boeing field and in Seattle. And, I just, for, for some bizarre reason, before we started the show, I thought I'd count exactly how many parking spaces a Boeing 737 MAX uh, takes up. <laughs> Any, anyone care to guess? Um, 30. You're nearly there, Matt. Oh, Nev, any advance on 30? Oh, crap. Well, no, I said six. Um. 737 MAX. So we've got, so we've got the wings... <laughs> The oh, wings, the, the fuselage, not, the engines, the, the, um, the tail. Oh, crikey. Um, 20, then. I'm just going to quickly look in the chat room, just in case anyone's had a guess in the chat room. No. Yeah, because I just it bear is mind about 40. The... 40, okay. Oh. There we go. I wow. that, but it's one of the things that always <laughs> reminds me, that always surprises me, because they are always bigger 
than you imagine them to be. Do you know what I mean? I suppose because, mm. like, when you're looking at it through the windows in the departure lounge or whatever, they don't look that massive. Until you're actually down on the ground <laughs> and having a look at look at it. I didn't hear that. That's probably just as well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yes. Anyway, we're going to move on to <laughs> yeah the next story, Matt. This yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, this one. We're actually going to EasyJet and Ryanair for this one. Uh, well, yeah. Well, it, well, it's all of them, in fact. With a bit of BA. Uh, yeah, a little bit of BA uh, in in this one as well. And this is a this is an unusual alliance shall we say uh so unfortunately it is that you know that covid19 thing is, is is the link behind all this everybody take a quick sip uh ba easyjet and ryanair this is on sky uh, news.sky.com and uh, as i say it's ba easyjet and ryanair launch legal action over government's quarantine possibly this could literally be the only time these airlines ever work together uh anyway british airways easyjet and ryanair have launched legal action against the government's Controversial quarantine measures. A statement from BA's parent company, IAG, said the airlines would be asking for a judicial review uh, to be heard as soon as possible. The companies had said earlier this week they would join together to try to end the 14-day quarantine rule for international arrivals, which they say will deter travel and threaten even more jobs. Describing the rule as flawed, they said it would have a devastating effect on British tourism and the wider economy. The airlines said that uh, they had seen no evidence of what when proposed air bridges between the UK and other countries would be implemented. They want the government to instead readopt the policy it introduced on the 10th of March, which saw passengers from countries deemed at high risk of coronavirus infection being ordered to self-isolate on arrival in the UK. A joint statement from the three airlines said this would be the most practical and effective solution and enable civil servants to focus on other more significant issues arising from the pandemic while Britain while bringing the UK in line with much of Europe which is opening its borders mid-June. It comes after the IAG chief executive Willie Walsh told Sky News the new the new rule, w- rules would torpedo the chances of the aviation sector getting back to normal we think it's irrational we think it's disproportionate he said um Michael O'Leary, chief executive of BA's rival Ryanair, said has said the quarantine rules were nonsense and would be useless. Uh, the Irish airline had previously said in a statement Ryanair will support any legal action launched by IAG against this ineffective quarantine. I mean, the story goes on. Obviously, we got the gist of that. In fact, I think we covered that last week, didn't we, uh, or a few weeks ago, where we were talking about that. It would be... Um I don't know. What do we think about this, guys? Because, I mean, on the one hand, uh, you know, I I can see some logic behind it because obviously you you want to protect those who are here in the UK already. Um, On the other hand, um, I mean, I don't really understand. I think I think we were talking last week, weren't we? Whether whether um, uh, some uh, airlines and some countries and things had adopted the ability to they were basically testing you at the airport. So you only had to be. Uh, in fact, I think some tests were coming back within sort of like half an hour. You were getting mm. the results whether you had it or not. I mean, uh, I mean, is it purely a financial decision that they aren't looking into that? Because, I mean, uh, the, the article I was reading, they were making the passengers pay for it. You know, but then mm. me personally, I would happily pay, you know, 50, 60 euros or whatever it is if it meant I didn't have to have two weeks off work. Yes, very, very true. true. I think things may have moved on a bit as well because there was this announcement today by the government that the uh, the 
the threat level or whatever it's called has been moved down to three and that's going to be some more lifting of restrictions so i this is my own personal opinion i don't know whether it is going to happen or not i would say by the end of this month the end of june so that's just sort of seven or eight or nine days away um it would not surprise me if we see um those restrictions uh, the, that 14 day quarantine period uh, lifted completely uh, is it just i just think it, it, they they have to do it it's not going to it's not going to work and there's, there's there's so many people you know including us and and yourselves and and people who after all this time really probably have the ability to the funds and the time of holiday accrued to to take a holiday but if you want to take a week's holiday um somewhere you know with this in in place then you've got to book 3 weeks off work yeah, I think there's um, there's some update as well. Uh, Matt from the A320 podcast. Hi, Matt. Uh, says in the chat room, government are apparently announcing air corridors and air bridges from the 29th of June and that most restrictions are expected to be reduced or removed. And that mm. would not surprise me uh, because of what's happened today. So, uh, but let's see what happens. Uh, I hope it does because uh, they, they can't have this situation where you, you just can't. <laughs> You can't go anywhere after you've come back from somewhere. No, no, Indeed, so, yeah. this is this is the thing, isn't it? And of course, it, it will literally have exactly what people fear, isn't it? You know, I mean, I can't afford to take two weeks. You, you're essentially, if you if you had say like a three week, um, say say you had a one week holiday and then you had to be in quarantine for two weeks, so that would be your three weeks worth of annual entitlement just Go for on. one week away. Mm. Um, now, I, I suppose many would argue that you know, if you know, if you're going on holiday or whatever, that's the risk that you take. But there must be a better way of doing this, um, as you say, with the air bridges and, and all that kind of thing. You know, that's one solution. But again, I suppose that does limit choice. It means you can't go to perhaps your favourite destination because it doesn't have an agree agreement with the UK. Also, potentially, could push the prices up of going to those locations because everybody's going to to want to go there. Yeah. So we best move on to the next story because the next story is rather disturbing. And Nev, I, if I've you struggled. thought this last story was bad, wait till you hear this one. This is on CNN Travel. The headline. Uh, do you know what? Air I, I can't wait for the chat room response to this. Here we go. <laughs> airline ban alcohol on planes in response to COVID nineteen. I'm sorry, you broke up there, Nev. Say that again. <laughs> I'll say it again, just in case you didn't hear it. <laughs> Airlines ban alcohol on planes in response to COVID-19. The story continues. Alcohol sales may have boomed during lockdown, but our return to air travel will be an altogether more sobering experience. Airlines, including EasyJet and KLM in Europe, Delta Airlines and American Airlines in the US and Asia's Virgin Australia, are suspending all or part of their alcoholic drink service in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's part of a widespread revision of the industry's food and drink service to minimise interaction between crew and passengers and to ensure a safer journey for all. With face masks already mandatory on pretty much all flights around the world, a new legislation introduced in January 2020 to curb antisocial behaviour on flights, it's another in a line of barriers, literal and legal, to get to getting high in the sky. Ha ha ha. Many airlines are limiting drink options to water only, as face masks must be kept on other than when passengers are eating and drinking. It's a way of ensuring passengers are lingering over their refreshments 
for no longer than necessary. Well, in Europe, British low-cost airline EasyJet resumed domestic routes across the UK and France on June the 15th, alongside a handful of international routes. Now, whilst customers can bring food and non-alcoholic drinks on board at the beginning of only, uh, sorry, uh, at the beginning, uh, only refreshments on offer will be water, uh, which has to be requested from the crew. Food service will resume gradually in the coming months. The crew will manage the use of toilet facilities. So it's uh, for the best that passengers aren't knocking back the Guinnesses and G&Ts. Virgin Atlantic will be issuing passengers with health packs, complete with face masks, surface wipes and hand gel. It too is temporarily removing alcohol on board. Uh, KLM, the flag carrier of the Netherlands, has suspended sales of hot and alcoholic drinks, but you can still ask a crew for more water and soft drinks. That's in addition to the pre-packed refreshments that will be waiting for you on your seat when you board. Hot meals will only be served on flights that are longer than nine hours. Uh, British Airways is suspending its alcohol service in short-haul economy only, uh, where customers will instead be offered complimentary refreshments along with a bottle of water. Special meals, including children's meals, are temporarily unavailable. Ryanair has also resumed a limited flight schedule. It's, ch- uh, it's changed its service so that all food is pre-packaged and must be ordered before flying. Alcohol isn't off the menu, though. It's chosen to axe its hot drink service instead throughout July. Now, in the US, Delta Airlines isn't serving alcohol on domestic flights or within the Americas, but beer, wine and spirits can be found on all other international flights. Uh, over on American Airlines, the airline is limiting food and drink service in the main cabin according to flight length and destination. Access to alcohol, however, is the preserve of long-haul international flights and the folks in first class. Hong Kong's flag carrier Cathay Pacific will still have drinks available throughout the flight, but the pre-meal bar and pre-poured drinks are temporarily suspended. Virgin Australia is serving all guests complimentary water and a snack, but additional food and drinks aren't currently available for onboard purchase. So if you're traveling this summer, pack plenty of water and healthy snacks, keep your face mask on when not eating or drinking, and be glad that you'll be spared alcohol-related dehydration, a major contribution to jet lag. My goodness, there's some talking points there, aren't there? I'm going to add to a few as well, if I may, Nev. I'm going to quickly whiz through some of the great comments we've had in the chat room. Perhaps we can comment them as we go. Uh, First one, actually, from from Micah was, uh, actually, this is going to affect the bottom line of many low-cost airlines to make more money from the ancillary fees that they do so, uh, you know, on top of the fares. Uh, Again, I think think we're thinking Jet 2 with this one. Uh, The lovely Masher is saying, hard to social distance in the middle of a punch. Up. I think that's a very good point. Um, I, I think it's sent. This is Tony S saying. I think it's sensible to reduce the onboard service as much as possible. And I suppose actually, it's a it, you know that is a good point, isn't it? Because a lot of the social distancing restrictions and things are to do with not you know like. L- you know, lowering social contact and, and things like that. I suppose if cabin uh, cabin crew are serving drinks all the time, that's going to be difficult for them to do that. Uh, and uh, completely apropos of nothing, Pip says that he had a nice cup of tea on Swiss today. So there we are. Uh, do you not think, Matt, do you not think, Matt, that this is going to lead to people taking their own booze on air? Well, I mean, they're doing it already, aren't they? But, of course, the reality is 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 that, you know, they're, they're going to try and be a little bit well, less... Um, uh, on July the 2nd, I'm doing a Nev's passenger experience trip on BA. Uh, 
uh, from London Heathrow to Edinburgh. Uh, so I'm doing there and back in a day, and I'm hopefully going to interview somebody from Edinburgh Airport when I get there as well. But the reason for doing it is so that you can see what the new experience is. So uh, I'll be in seat 1A, obviously. Of course, there are <laughs> rules, yeah. To report back on, on what's going on. So uh, that should be quite interesting. So uh, I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing how it all works in, in the current climate. But of course, this will be a couple of weeks on. So maybe things have, cal- have calmed down a bit. But uh, yeah, we shall see. So have, watch have, you, out. have you got to quarantine going to Scotland? <laughs> Uh, no, <laughs> at the moment it's still considered part of the United Kingdom. Is it? Although some people may not may disagree. It. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Mike is actually saying also is saying that you really can't pack your own water or food as you can't bring it through the security check. That's a good point. That is yep. a good point. Yeah. Um, and 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 uh, Jan Hubner is saying that good point and shops and past security are usually closed at the moment, which is another good point, isn't it? Yeah, you see, I think by the time I go, so that'll be, yeah, so that's the 2nd of July, so that's uh, Thursday in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? So I think it's things may have changed a little bit since then, but certainly today, that that's what the current situation is, as it was read out in the article. So, yeah. so the idea is people go to eBay, get one of those caps with the two beer cans each side with the pipes, fill them up before you go. Of course. That's it. Mm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Okay. <laughs> come on, Matt. Come on, Matt. You had one of yes, those. Yes, yes. Come on, move on. <laughs> so next one is on the bbc.co.uk website. Great, great video to go with this as well. So the uh, headline you may have seen this this week, planes wedged together after collision at Aberdeen Airport. So an investigation has been launched after a collision between two planes on the tarmac at Aberdeen International Airport. The nose of one of the aircraft ended up wedged under the engine of the other on Tuesday evening, lifting it off the ground. No passengers were on board the Logan Air jet, which was struck by the former Flybe plane, and the Air Accident Investigation Branch, the AAIB, has been informed. No one was injured in the incident, and Logan Air said in a statement that uh, a Logan Air Embraer 145 regional jet parked with no passengers or crew members on board was hit by a former Flybe Bombardier Q400 aircraft, which we understand was being prepped for departure after being stored at Aberdeen Airport. The nose of the Q400 impacted the rear starboard side of the Embraer, becoming lodged underneath and lifting the right main gear off the ground. Jeez. Uh, the most important thing is that no one was injured, they said, in the incident with the crew working on the X5B aircraft being safe and well away. Yes, I know, because one of them jumped out of the way. Um, Aberdeen International Airport confirmed the incident that happened at around 8, uh, 6 p.m. on Tuesday. The airport said in the statement the Air Accident Investigation Branch uh, is carrying out a full investigation. And also following the incident at Aberdeen, the AAIB is making initial inquiries. And at this stage, there is no further comment. Absolutely love that video. Um, it's quite a clear video, actually, for a change for one of these um, these, happen- these sort of CCTV cameras. But um, safe to say, wouldn't you, don't, you, don't you agree, guys? It's, it's lifted that Embraer quite well off the ground. Well, it had a bit of a speed up, to be fair. I mean, it, mm, yeah. it, it was really moving by the time it sort of came into contact. I mean, it might have had a bit of a tailwind perhaps going on as well. But yeah, it certainly did uh, did get a de- decent um, turn of speed up, didn't it? <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, if they wanted to change the, the wheels on that Embraer, it's a good, good chance to get those done now. 
I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, I, I, forgive my. I'm ignoring that. Um, I, the my the naivety on, on my part here, and this this is you know I'm playing devil's advocate here, perhaps. I mean, do you think it was just like wind, or was it because like there was you know the the? I mean, you assume that it'd be very flat, obviously uh, at an airport, you know, where you've got taxiways and runways and all that kind of thing. I mean, uh, part of me is thinking, well, why on earth was this at any point not being done without some kind of tug? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, but having said that, some aprons aren't completely flat. And if you're, if you're mm. perhaps, you know, positioned with the wind behind you um, and the aircraft's not chocked or it's got some sort of parking brake failure, then it's, of course, it's a big mass, really, even a turboprop like a Dash 8. Uh, you get a decent uh, gust of wind behind that and uh, it just keeps going, even with a slight downhill gradient. Uh, and there, there was no stopping that one, was, there, was for sure. No, it, you it definitely had a move on. Yeah. You imagine filling out insurance claims forms for that. Uh, who was in, or who was in the uh, flight deck at the time? No one. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, and the aircraft cool. itself, <laughs> the actual the Embraer one four five. It's it's nice. It's interesting to know actually that uh, one four five was nineteen and a half years old. So, hmm, depending on how bad the damage is, they might may well scrap that. But. Uh, well, I don't know. Nineteen is not old, is it? Yeah, it'll buff out. Yeah, uh, it's one of those ones that'll buff out. Is it right? Okay. I mean, Nick says it's a great video. I think he's a. He's, I think he's right there. <laughs> um, uh, Alan. Alan was saying it's a great video. He'd not seen it till now. I must admit, I've been looking at the pictures. I hadn't seen the video until we did that. Mm. Uh, Tony, I think, is on the Nile here. Chocks away. Uh, <laughs> Literally, <laughs> Owen's at, literally wetting himself. Look, there we go. Literally. Oh, sorry. They don't. I forget the. I don't know why the emoticons don't come out on this system. I'll have to look into that. But anyway, <laughs> there you go. So, Matt, the next story is um, all about that that purple airline. Right. Yes, I've heard of them. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, uh, well, they've been doing some fun things in lockdown with city videos and in, in in airports, haven't they? But uh, yeah, this is on the Airtime Hub. Uh, Aerotime.aero is the website and the headline is Wiz Air continues aggressive expansion with three new bases. So despite the current market conditions um, uh, and a clear slump in travel, Wiz Air has continued to aggressively expand throughout Europe. On the 18th of June, the low-cost carrier announced that three new bases in the continent, including an increase in uh, capacity at Belgrade, Serbia. So the airline will establish three new bases in Georgia. Uh, is it Enciu? Oh dear, International Airport. Um, Baku, Romania, Dortmund Airport uh, in Germany and uh, Pulkovo Airport in St. Petersburg, Russia. Wizair will base two, three and uh, will base two, three and one Airbus A320 family aircraft at the various respective airports. Furthermore, the airline plans to operate 12 new routes from BCM. Which one's BCM? Is that the Baku? Is that? Yeah, that's the... Um, George uh, S. New International Airport, uh, 18 new routes from DTM and five new routes from LED. In addition to the new bases, the company announced that it will uh, base an additional aircraft at Belgrade, um, uh, Nikola Tesla Airport in Belgrade, Serbia. The airline will be, will add nine new routes to the airport uh, which serve the Serbian capital. In total, three aircraft will now be based at Belgrade. Chief Executive Officer uh, of Wizz Air, um, Joseph Ver Veradi, uh, noted uh, being 
delighted about the airline's new expansion plans as the low-cost carrier continues to take advantage of market opportunities and re-stimulate demand for low-cost travel. Uh, this expansion further contributes to the vital recovery of the economy in our markets and we remain focused on best servicing them while protecting the health of our customers and employees. Uh, Wizz Air's newest announcement is the second round of new bases uh, that were announced by the company. On May 29th, the Hungary-based company uh, revealed that four new bases will be launched from the 1st of July 2020. These bases are located in Milan, Italy, uh, Lanaka, uh, Cyprus, uh, Liv, uh, Ukraine, uh, uh, Tirana, uh, Albania, and in total they will host 11 aircraft with over 50 new routes to and from the aforementioned destinations. Uh, yeah, so the, I mean, busy times really, isn't it? I, I, partly it is. surprised, um, obviously, given what's going on. But then I, I, I suppose, I think, I mean, we touched on this before, didn't we? Because a lot of these plans were all very much in the pipework long before this, this you know, thing hit us all. And, you know, I suppose once the wheels are in motion, it's difficult to, um, to sort of stop the flow, really. And so you, if you're going to end up paying for these slots and things that you pay for at the airports, you might as well get things in, in place for when it all stops being silly. I think Wiz have done a fantastic job, actually, don't you? Um, yeah, agreed. Opening up the routes and all the rest of it. And uh, with not much action at Gatwick at the moment, uh, in terms of British Airways, mm. or Virgin, uh, there's some obviously some capacity down there for them as well. So um, I I think this is going to be a big year for Wiz, actually. Um, there you go. So, so this is a little bit of a... a, a, a John, our producer, found this uh, graphic uh, earlier. Mm. It just gives you an idea of, uh, you know, sort of the sort of area they're going to... I mean, they've got... They've pretty much got Europe sewn up, haven't they? I mean, that's... that's uh, if, if I were... Do you know what? If I were Mr O'Leary, I might be a bit nervous about how quickly Wiz are expanding. Yes, you I know. think I would be. And uh, if you look at the last sort of couple of years of Wiz's operation, they have just, you know, nailed it. Uh, and they've got some very good load facts, I think, on their aircraft as well. That's the other thing. Well, and, and the thing for me as well, it's a bit like Jet 2, isn't it? Their customer service is like through the roof, isn't it? I mean, I don't think I've... I think I've um, ironically, only recently have I heard one complaint about about the way that somebody was treated on on Wizz Air, and it was one of those where I was a bit like, mm, I can't talk about it because it was actually something. I, obviously, I need need their permission to sort of tell the story, but uh, yeah, it was um, you know it, in the main, it, it's you know their feedback is is very positive. Actually, considering how things are in the climate at the moment with the aviation industry, it's something to note that the. Um, not not a stocks and shares person, but Wiz is one of the few airlines whose uh, share price has actually gone up today. Yeah, well, I, I think that I mean a lot of that will be to do with the fact that there's been lots mm. of announcements and stuff made. Um, you probably find again in a few days or a few weeks that it might settle down a bit. But uh, you know, there will certainly be excitement given the fact that in ev even mm. in these strange times, they're clearly expanding. Wouldn't it have been a del delicious irony if that uh, Dash 8, uh, I know they don't operate the Dash 8, so it wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't it have been a great irony if that uh, Dash 8 that crashed into Logan Air 145 uh, was called Wiz uh, with the way it was going? <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, I think it's... Oh dear, excellent. Shall we move on progress. to the next story? Nev, I think the next one is with you, my friend. <laughs> It is, and uh, it's on one of my favourite websites, actually, Turning Left for Less. Now, you might remember, uh, oh, it's a couple of years ago now, mm. I interviewed 
Michelle uh, when she first started this website. And I have to say, the website and the social media she does has gone from uh, good to fantastic. She's done a great job on this stuff. This is all about uh, British Airways. And, of course, the airline's not beginning great PR at the moment, but from the way they're proposing to change, uh, change staff contracts and the current onboard meagre offerings, it's not gone down very well with the customers. However, she's pleased to say that uh, we seem to be turning a corner and she thinks they've actually gone beyond what many airlines are offering. Putting aside everything else as a customer with a status, she's extremely happy with this. It means that she can put aside any worries about making up status for a while, and she doesn't feel I need to tra- she needs to travel for the sake of it. It also means she can use up some Avios points if BA don't offer her some uh, decent prices to Europe. Uh, they are currently very high for September to most places, in fact. So what the BA have done, uh, in fact, most people that, are, that, that will have already received an e- email, but they're extending the, the tier status of the executive club membership by a full year. A member status will be renewed for 12 months beyond its current end date. All members will benefit starting with the tier point collection uh, year month uh, of July 2020 through to June 2021. Uh, BA is also reducing the number of tier points needed to reach each tier. So that's bronze, silver, gold, gold guest list and Concord room card by 25% for the year after a 12-month extension, making it easier for members to renew or upgrade a tier. They'll also be applying a six-month extension to all newly issued companion vouchers earned in July, August, and September. This is an addition to those that have already received an extra six months up to now. Um, there's no change to the validity of uh, jokers, which is the gold uh, redemption vouchers. Uh, gold upgrade vouchers have already been extended by six months. Um, understandably, people have got a lot of questions, so she's working through them and adding to a, a frequently asked questions article that she's putting out uh, in her web on her website later on and in social media. So that's uh, it's good news to see that BA are taking this, you know, taking the bull by the horns actually, and uh, making sure that people can retain their status because obviously there's just been no flying at all. For, for well, the it's not the fault of the customers, is it? That's that's no. the thing. So, um, yeah, that's a good, uh, a good news story. Mm, agreed. You still there now, Carlos? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Oh, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just listening. It's just I'm usually listening. when it goes quiet, you know, it's, it's, that's usually the sign for uh, the yeah. next Jumping story. In. <laughs> yeah, the next story. This one is uh, on thepointsguy.com. And uh, for the lovers of the Queen of the Skies, it's uh, more sad news, unfortunately, because uh, Qantas are to retire their final two uh, Boeing 747s this month. So Qantas are planning to retire their two 747s, as I said, this uh, this month. The carrier uh, only has uh, two 747s still in service, both of which were in storage at Sydney Airport uh, since late in March. Qantas first announced their retirements in March, but kept the final two planes stored in Sydney before officially retiring them this month. Uh, Victor Hotel Oscar Eka Echo is a nearly 18-year-old aircraft, according to plane spotters, while Victor Hotel Oscar Echo Juliet is nearly 17 years old. Uh, on June the 16th, Oscar Echo Echo operated its first flight since late March between Sydney and Los Angeles as flight QF6001. Once it arrived in LAX, it will operate one last flight to Victorville, uh, where it will join the already retired 747s and Oscar Echo Juliet is set to make its final flight towards retirement this month. 
executive travel uh, reports that Qantas started uh, the year with six 747s in their fleet. Uh, now, once Victor Hotel, Oscar Echo Echo and Oscar Echo Juliet reach their final resting place in the desert, the airline's fleet will be forever changed. The airline had long planned to retire the Queen of the Skies from its fleet. However, the coronavirus accelerated the plans. Uh, the much-loved 747, like its fellow super jumbo, the Airbus A380, have been deemed too big for a number of airlines given the reduced demand for travel. The 747 had been replaced by more fuel-efficient twin-engine aircraft, such as the 787 Dreamliner, uh, which also features a more modern business-class product. Uh, unfortunately for these final two 747s, there is no celebratory final flights or fanfare. They'll quietly fly to the desert for their right, uh, final resting place, which I think, guys, is really puh from Qantas, yeah. if I I'm would being totally so. honest. Yes, I think they could have, uh, considering the amount of service the 744s have done with Qantas, with their... Mm familiar long reach uh, logo on the outside as well um yeah i think they could have done that they i think they could have done a slightly better job of that mm. rather than just doing a, a slow fade out don't you i'm sure i read somewhere as well that these these also weren't that long ago um refurbished mm. so, oh really yeah. well that's yeah. ironic Actually, Which, worth mentioning as well, uh, I hope you don't mind, Carlos, but uh, Qantas have also announced that they're cancelling all international flights until October. Um, uh, the move comes, obviously, as many airlines prepare to return to the skies, but in a clear indication that long-distance air travel will not be returning to any time soon. The Australian government has already said that the tourist-related travel to Australia is some way off, and it may be 2021, uh, which I think Grant has said to us a few times, hasn't he? Um, um, before the country starts welcoming back foreign visitors with the exception of a handful of countries. So, uh, yeah, I suppose, uh, I don't know, I guess they've got a lot on their plate, haven't they, if if, if that's the case, and, you know, <laughs> there won't be any passengers to put on it. I think that's more, I think perhaps they quite like a fanfare as well, but uh, given how things are and you'd normally use the 7-4 on long-haul routes, wouldn't you, I guess? Mm. I'm just surprised that they didn't do something, you know, like when Delta obviously retires or retired the Mad Dogs, they had, I think they had some kind of, you know, a, a big day, and they made a big um, thing about it, and that. And a lot of the airlines do make a, a big thing of when they retire certain aircraft. Yeah. But um, it's just Qantas, I suppose. Um, I'm sure Grant McCarran would say something about why Qantas aren't doing anything at all to um, <laughs> celebrate it. But. Yeah. Uh, apparently, in the chat room, um, I think uh, yes, uh, uh, Tony S is saying that apparently uh, he thinks they sent one to a museum recently. Well, they could donate one to us if they like. <laughs> right, yes. Okay, there is that. That's uh, got a big back garden. That, uh, not, not big enough for one of those, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, so, uh, um, we're going to move on to the next story, I suppose. Matt, this um, this next story is um, could be a costly move for Airbus. Hmm. Well, I guess they don't need them, though, at the moment anyway, but all become clear in a moment. And I know uh, I seem to recall, actually, we've sort of covered uh, in episode 312, we covered, uh, um, you know, this sort of in detail as well, where um, they were first starting to look at... Um, you know this, um, but the story that I'm referring to from Flight Global says that EasyJet agrees a five-year deal deferral 
uh, on 24 Airbus uh, aircraft. So uh, EasyJet has really has reached an agreement with Airbus. To, that's it. I'm never drinking again. Uh, EasyJet <laughs> Easy has reached an agreement with Airbus to push back by five years the delivery of 24 aircraft that were originally destined to join its fleet between 2020 and 2022. The aircraft will now be delivered between 2025 and 2027, potentially resulting in EasyJet having to pay up an additional £95 million. Ouch. That's $120 million uh, due to inflation. Wow. Uh, any increase would be material would be materially offset by the reduced cost of borrowing associated with the significant cash flow benefits in the next 16 months arising from these deferrals said the airline uh, the agreement gives easyjet the flexibility until december 2020 to defer two further aircraft deliveries and opt against taking up to seven more jets that were scheduled for delivery between 2022 and 2026 easyjet's agreement with airbus also includes deadline extensions for exercising existing options on 13 additional aircraft the deadline on seven of these options has been extended by one year to november 2021 with the remaining six options to be exercised by 2022 in november the changes agreed defer capacity in the medium term while continuing our long-term strategy of replacing our older fleet with the advanced and lower fuel burning a320 neo family states easyjet's chief executive johan lundgren uh, EasyJet had announced in April that it planned to defer its order for 24 aircraft. The move followed pressure from the airline's founder and major shareholder Stelios to cancel or re re renegotiate an order for 107 aircraft. Um, it, uh, they had uh, sought to remove the airline's uh, chairman chief executive uh, chief financial officer and an independent non-executive director from the board over the dispute but this attempt failed when shareholders voted to back the management oh that's interesting that yes interesting. i was sorry to interrupt you there matt i was just going to say that uh, uh, pressure from stelios in inverted commas would be an understatement of the century yes quite <laughs> The letter that he wrote, which is in the public domain, uh, to the rest of the management team. My goodness me, he did not uh, pull his punches. No. Uh, but clearly, the um, there's it's been. I won't say it's been resolved, but there's been um, an alternative solution found. Shall we say? I mean, you can't you can't blame them in lots of ways, really, can you, for for doing this? Because uh, it's you know it's very weird times at the moment, isn't it? And you know now is not the time um, when you're basically sort of having to decide what you're going to do with your staff depending on how long this goes on for really now is not the time to be investing that kind of money is it uh, well yes and no I suppose okay. because when uh, but I'm no expert in the world of uh, commerce uh, and when it comes to aviation but all this traffic is going to come back we all want to fly people want to fly business people want to fly leisure people want to fly so you have to be ready for when that moment happens. Now, that requires investment, of course. But, of course, also, I fully concede that the costs that have been incurred over the last three months with aircraft storage, crew on furlough, all sorts of things are absolutely horrific. So, yeah, that, that's a big dent in, in the wallet, of course, it is. Yeah. There's, um, yeah, I mean, you sort of... 
you think the the uh, the impact of nine eleven and that? I mean, people keep making comparisons, don't they? But in in reality, there is no comparison, is there? No, I think with nine eleven, uh, as tragic as it was, as we keep saying, there was an end to it in the sense that with the cockpit doors um, fully um, uh, um, improved and lots of other security measures in place, uh, it was deemed, you know, a lot safer to fly. But of course, in these circumstances, we, we don't know really what all the safety implications are yet. Um, I we will one day, but, but not at the moment. But in the meantime, the economy somehow has to keep going, doesn't it? Uh, and, and aviation, commercial, commercial aviation, is a very large part of it. Indeed. So moving on to the next story then, Nev, and um, I actually would, I do intend at some point to, to get to this airport to see what it's like. Yes, it is spectacular, isn't it? We've been talking about it a lot on, on the show um, for a long time now, actually. Uh, this is on the Forbes uh, website, forbes.com. Uh, it says uh, three aircraft took off simultaneously at Istanbul Airport on Sunday, inaugurating a third independent runway. Ordinarily, that is enough of an accomplishment, but it, the expanded capacity also means Istanbul is now Europe's largest airport. Would you believe that? I thought it would be probably you know, Frankfurt or, uh, or Schiphol in um, Amsterdam. But uh, Turkish President uh, Erdogan was at the airport for the inauguration and gave ceremonial permission for the three Turkish Airlines flights to depart. Uh, and I think Matt's going to bring up a video of that, uh, hopefully. Uh, a 787 took off on runway 1836, Which runway did Erdogan use? None. He arrived by helicopter. Erdogan below had an aerial tour of the new runway and additional infrastructure. Uh, the aircraft flew under flight numbers significant to Turkish history. 1453 for when the Ottomans captured Constantinople. 1923 marking the declaration of the Turkish Republic. And 2023 representing Erdogan's future Vision 2023 plan. Uh, the additional runway boosts capacity at the new Istanbul airport to over 120 takeoffs and landings per hour, higher than the maximum 120 at Paris Charles de Gaulle, Amsterdam Schiphol, uh, which is at 112, or Frankfurt's 106, according to Eurocontrol. Heathrow is smaller with a maximum of 88 movements an hour, but high slot utilisation and deployment of larger aircraft sees Heathrow handle more passengers. Turkish, Turkish Aviation's upwards march mirrors the largest, larger Turkish economy, whilst Western Europe sees incremental airport capacity gains. The new Istanbul Airport opened in 2018 with full-scale operations last year has annual capacity of 90 million passengers. With a total of six runways and a second terminal, capacity in 2028 will grow to 200 million, which will make Istanbul the largest airport in the world. Uh, the president noticed that the, noted that the rapid change from 2002, when all of Turkey had only 34 million passengers, 
passengers. Last year, it had 209 million passengers. Runways are multi-year construction projects and work was almost finished on this new runway when COVID-19 broke out and then dampened prospects for travel in the coming years. Uh, Istanbul logically proceeded with the almost complete runway as other airports are doing with infrastructure nearly finished. Some airports are postponing new construction due to COVID-19 whilst other airports are continuing or even accelerating development works. Uh, The new runway is Istanbul's fifth but the existing four comprises two sets of dual runways. Uh, Amsterdam Schiphol also has five runways for commercial flights, the highest in Europe, but has less capacity than Istanbul due to slot controls. Uh, The new additional runway gives Istanbul three independent runways that can be used simultaneously. Accompanying the new runway is the airport's second control tower and new taxiways, which will help reduce the long taxi times that are frustrated passengers. You want to try Schiphol Airport in that case. Um, The first flights to depart simultaneously on three runways appear to be ceremonial, although uh, they flew onto commercial flight numbers uh, used for trips to Basel, Kerasiki uh, and Naples. Uh, tracking from Flight Radar 24 shows the flights returning to Istanbul Airport about 20 minutes after taking. So uh, that is a huge piece of construction. And the fact that they've got three independent runways um, is remarkable, isn't it? And they are really well situated. If you look on um, like a whole overplan of, of Europe, the map on Google Maps, the airport is really well situated in Europe because it's a great stepping stone to to go um, from, say, the UK over to Dubai and Oman and places in the Middle East. Yep. Um, a lot of airlines, I know, do, do do that. You can obviously fly direct with certain airlines, but a lot of airlines, I know, do fly um, to Istanbul and then make the hop from Istanbul with a 737-800 mm. to Dubai. Yeah. So, um, no, they've done a great job there. But uh, like you, I'd, I'd love to go there one day. I've never been to Turkey at all, actually. So I'd love the opportunity to uh, uh, check out the airport. Yeah. Perhaps yeah, I mean, I, I, that, uh, part, an of me, visit. part of me is uh, surprised by their claim that uh, they are the the biggest airport in, in Europe now. I mean, as you say, I mean, like Nev said, I'd, I, w- I would have still had Schiphol down with its five runways, to be honest. You should check out this satellite view, Matt. It's... Oh, really? Pretty impressive, yeah. It's pretty it? impressive, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think, yeah, that's the whole point of using, of using, using this, isn't it? It's simultaneous operation. Yeah. That's, that's the difference. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, good on them. Great stuff. So, moving on to uh, the next story. Uh, story number 10, this is. And uh, for those of you who know that I do love a bit of a flight sim, a bit of a play on the old flight sim, I have been uh, utilising my sim here at home quite a bit over the lockdown period. But some good news for those of you who love the Airbus or the A320s, because uh, this one is on the PCGamer.com website. And uh, if you love your Airbus, um, Thrustmaster, who are manufacturers of of some very um, high-end flight sim bits and pieces, Thrustmaster are are releasing a, a A320 inspired throttle and stick setup. Uh, So if you're a Microsoft Flight Sim fan or an X-Plane 11 fan, uh, and that means you care about detail, don't worry, Thrustmaster is on your side, not content with creating the ultimate in combat hot-ass flight sticks. The replica 
A10 Warthog, which is, is really good actually, in the F-16 and F-18 controls. It's also moving into civil aviation side of aviation with the Airbus partnership. So they've actually joined forces with Airbus to design this. So you can buy yourself uh, a side stick of throttle quadrant based on the A320. So at this time around, it's less of a replica and more inspired by the A320 design, which means you don't get the original base, which honestly looks like it was ripped out of an 80s manual transmission four, but you do get a whole lot more control for your money. So where the actual flight stick in an A320 just offers you little access control, the new Thrustmaster civil aviation uh, stick adds a pair of triggers. Um, uh, well, you've got to have triggers on the, on the control stick, to be fair, and a hack switch as well, and an extra top button. And you also get a mini throttle on the base for extra control too. And an additional 12 buttons as well, arrayed around the, power, uh, the Airbus control base, which you can set up to obviously control other various things uh, on the aircraft. Uh, and you can also, you've also got the, the throttle dock as well, uh, which is also in the guise of an A320 style too. Uh, there's also gonna be add-on units to add on to this, which replicate brakes, flat controls of the A320, uh, which they haven't yet set a date for release on those yet. But to give you a rough idea on the control systems and stuff, the side stick, controller is going to cost you around about 64.99 in uk pounds and around about 69.99 dollars uh, or 69.99 euros uh, the throttle quadrant uh, for the airbus which is being released in september this year it's going to cost you around about 90 pounds or a hundred dollars and then the add-ons which should be confirmed later this year uh, which are going to have an officer pack Airbus edition, which is going to be hopefully released around about September, and they're going to cost you around about £149 or around about $160. Uh, so, Matt, you ran a little video there, I think, while I was reading that with the uh, the pictures and stuff of that. I have to say, um, just as well, Captain Al actually sent this over to me this week, and uh, he was quite impressed by uh, by this. So... I think there might be a few Airbus fans out there who currently use um, X-Plane 11 or Microsoft Flight Sim who may well choose to spend some money and uh, and have these at home. What do you think, Nev? Oh, it looks fantastic, doesn't it? So the only thing is, <clears throat> how are you... I mean, you've bought enough off of Amazon and other suppliers, haven't you, over the last few months? Um, <laughs> how are you going to get this one past Gemma? That's what I'd like to know. He's not. That's the long and the short of it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> also, forgive my naivety. Is this not all a bit too late now? Everybody's having to go back to work. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think the amount of detail and design they've put into these, obviously with their you know you know links with Airbus, they've done a really good job. And I think there will be a hardcore group of Airbus enthusiasts who do enjoy uh, flight simming who will be buying these. A lot of these. So yeah, one of those being Captain Al. Yeah, actually, and it wouldn't surprise say, me. Uh, wouldn't surprise uh, me if a certain Captain Nick might actually dabble in this as well. Uh, Jan Hubner said in the chat room, "Oh, I need this for the forthcoming uh, Microsoft Flight Sim, which I popped up while the video was was playing." Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't get it. I don't know. I, somebody needs to explain to me the the attraction of of sitting there oh, it's and pretending to flight like I, I, I think if you've had a go on one that's good right um yeah it's pretty difficult to put it down i have to say um 
and you just want to improve your skills and get better and better at it. So, yeah. And, and of course, the thing that's been missing previously has been sort of realistic, you know, stick and rudder controls, mm. you know, flight controls. Uh, but this, along with its uh, throttle quadrant and the side stick controller, um, is the business. I wonder if... Um, Matt from the A320 podcast will yes. have one of his man cave down at the bottom of his garden that I've visited. <laughs> I think Matt was in the chat room, actually, so it'd be interesting to see whether um, word. he'll yeah. be smashing the uh, credit card to get yeah. these. Right. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. So, uh, I mean, of course, anyway. they've nailed the oh. visuals as well, haven't they, now? That's the thing. Oh, I mean, blimey, so it's yeah. very realistic now, I suppose. I think the whole the whole thing as well, Matt, as you know, because you've seen it on um, on what the videos I've sent you, the the realism behind it now, because it, they track real world weather data, real world traffic patterns. It's as good as you can get, yeah. to be fair, without being a fully qualified commercial airline pilot. Yeah, I, I'm just going to lower the tone, if I may. The main man, Micah, says that the thrust thrustmaster isn't that something that um, uh, Ron Ron. Jones Moving on to the next story, absolutely. and. Uh, <laughs> Okay. <clears throat> Matt, you better put your mask on for this next one. Oh, really? Just, oh, dear. Before we move on as Captain yes. L, I, I must say I, I would feel sorry for the receptionist at that company when he or she answers the phone, wouldn't you? Good afternoon, Thrustmaster. Can I help you? Or something like that. Quite. Oh, dear. <laughs> Anyway, Matt, yes. moving on to okay. the next story. Put yes. your mask on, please. Uh, right, absolutely. Or not, uh, in, or in not. this case. Uh, so this is malaysia.news.yahoo.com. Good luck typing that in. Uh, and it's uh, the Garuda Indonesia says flight attendants will forgo masks to uh, so passengers can see if they are smiling or frowning. Um, so um, in Garuda, Indonesia, they say that their flight attendants will stop wearing wearing face masks after they received numerous complaints from unhappy passengers. The airline's chief executive officer um, said, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that, so sorry about that, uh, said that people took issue with the fact that they could not see the flight attendants' expressions while they were being served. Many of Garuda's adult passengers have been complaining about our stewardesses wearing masks. Uh, because of the mask, the passengers cannot tell if they are smiling or frowning. Um, and, uh, and this was said apparently during a webinar hosted by uh, Bin uh, um, by one of the universities out there um, a while back. So if Ifran added that the um, flight attendants would gradually switch to wearing face shields instead and interactions with passengers will be minimised to mitigate the spread of COVID-19. He said that getting on, on a flight should be pleasurable experiences and did not want to make passengers feel like they were in an intensive care unit. We do not want passengers to board the flight feeling unhappy or stressed out or thinking, oh, is this an ICU uh, when they get on? Everyone wearing personal um, protective equipment um is uh everyone wearing uh p protective uh equipment uh i'm terribly sorry my computer has just crashed so i'm unable yeah. to keep reading that story no just no. just, uh, just uh, some initial thoughts there um i could tell that it would not be an icu uh because it's got engines wings and Good probably eight yes wheels. absolutely uh, i I, um, I i really don't agree with this story i have to be honest with you i think uh 
I, th- I think um, it's it's very selfish uh, actually on the on the part of the passengers to be uh, frowning and unhappy about the fact that they can't see the air stewardesses faces. Um, I think that's just I think that's the, one of the most ridiculous statements I've ever heard. Yes, they've not thought that through, have they? No, absolutely. And anyway, because, you know, it's more, you know, my thinking is I want them to wear the mask because I want them to be protected. Never mind uh, Mr. Joe Schmo public who are flying around. I want, you know, I want them to be able to go home safely to their families. Do you know yes. what I mean? I mean, even I, even myself, you know, I have uh, purchased my, um, my disposable protective masks for when I uh, travel with the BA boys in a couple of weeks time. Um, so this will be the first time I've ever worn one in 58 and a half years, basically. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting. So, uh, yeah, but even I will wear one because they won't let me fly otherwise. Well, no. Um, and, uh, and again, part of me is thinking, well, if they're going to do that, why, you know, why is it going to be okay, essentially, for the passengers um, to have to wear masks and the cabin crew not? Yes. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. At least they won't be able to see Nev's smiling they won't be no, able to mind you, I tell you when, the, when it arrived because I, I didn't actually see that side of it when i took it out the packet i only saw that side of it when i took it out the packet and i thought is it's one of those sort of tenor pants things <laughs> right okay. oh, unexpected just, get out there <laughs> yes. i just i just thought you've got some anti-back wipes to be fair no? yes yeah. it does look yes yeah unexpected yeah. item I've in the bagging area in the world <laughs> of face masks i'm a complete amateur so i don't know what on earth i'm looking at or talking about good mike micah points out a very very good fact in the chat room actually that the mask protects others not the wearer yeah absolutely well and that's my that's my point as you see i would rather um well i I suppose yeah but as i say my my major concern is i i I want you know i want the cabin crew to be uh, able to go home safely because you know they've got to work in these conditions and it can't be nice for any of them um, mm. you know what's going on I mean if you're having to fly you're having to do it at the moment for a very good reason probably um, you know uh, well, just everybody wear ma- masks and then minimise the risk um, you know this is the thing uh, also so Liz- Lisboa in the chat room said I'd rather not see stewards faces than see a doctor's face it's, you know yes. it's, it's exactly good point, the same yes. isn't it because yeah. you can see if the doctor is, is you know happy about the news he's about to give you or not <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to uh, move on to the last story in the commercial news segment this week. And Nev's been really looking forward to this story. And you know on the show, we love to talk food. Yes, but proper food, not what this is. Anyway, it's on the (laughs) executivetraveller.com. Say it like you mean it, Nev, won't you? I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm not enthusiastic, but let's, let's see how we get on. Bear with me. Um, it says British Airways moves to in-flight meal boxes. Uh, so, uh, and it says, join us for the unboxing of British Airways latest boxed meals. So uh, they're going to launch a new in-flight meal service this week with pre-packed boxes, replacing the minimalist coronavirus era bag of a wrapped sandwich, a snack and a bottle of water. Created by BA's catering firm Doe & Co for every cabin from first and business class through to economy, these single-serve boxes minimise interaction with the crew and are expected to be part of BA's in-flight experience for at least the next few months. So here's a sneak preview. Let's have a look at this. Um, This is the first 
So the first one is uh, BA's first class box will contain a salad, bread, appetizer, hot dish, which only will be served in first class, and a trio of desserts. I mean, it looks very colourful. I think we, we could say that. Um, on long range uh, daytime flights, there will also be a rather scrumptious looking afternoon tea box or finger sandwiches, scones with jam and macaroons. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to like this more and more, actually. So let's, uh, let's continue. Um, now, the next one is long range club world business class passenger will be offered a box with a salad sandwich cheese and crackers and dessert which honestly doesn't seem very filling so apart from raiding the in-flight snack bar you might want to bring some of your own food if you're flying out of t5 at heathrow uh, they recommend uh, the pret-a-manger outlet at the center of the terminal um the next one down uh, is on over Flights. Uh, Club World Travellers will wake to a cold breakfast with yoghurt, granola, a muffin and a few other items. Doesn't say what they are. Um, the next one uh, says shorter club business class flights will see a cold snack which on daytime flights will typically include a sandwich, a small appetiser and a small dessert. So that's what I might be having on the 2nd of uh, January, uh, sorry, on, on July, uh, a couple of weeks' time. Next one down is uh, the long-range premium economy, which is the World Traveller Plus. An economy, World Traveller boxes will be the same and usually include a small sandwich or croissant, an appetizer and dessert. Um, but of course, with the UK now enforcing a mandatory 14-day quarantine and many of BA's most popular routes slashed or suspended, it remains to be seen how many of these meal boxes it'll be handing out on any flight. Well, I'm, well, I'm not so sure about that. I say we, we have moved on a little bit from that, so maybe um, we'll have to see. But I'll, I'm going to give one of those a try and I'll have to do my own unboxing uh, on the flight and, and describe it all. But uh, I've got to say, actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. So, um, but I wouldn't have minded a, a steak or something or some, you know, fries or something like that but that's probably a bit optimistic like, like, like that steak we had in the uh, club work, club world on the way home from that's dubai now business, wasn't it eh? mm, yeah on that seven four actually point in. point to note guys and i think you'll probably agree with me with this story they look good but you know with this whole green packaging blah 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 there's a shed load of packaging involved with all those yeah there is, isn't there? Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. To, I mean, what well, they've got to do it somehow. They, they've got, they're, they're trying to prevent contact with the crew, aren't they? That, and that's obviously, you know, safety first and all the rest of it. So it is got to go into some sort of packaging somehow. But yeah, it mm -hmm. will generate a lot. So I'm, I'll give, I'm going to give that a bash in a couple of weeks' time and see... Uh, see Full review, it. Nev. Yes. Full I, review. Well. Or, or maybe, perhaps, perhaps what I'll do, I won't actually eat it on the plane at all, but I'll bring it home and I'll do the unboxing live on air, <gasps> including eating noises as well. Would, oh, would, would that that'll, that'll be very exciting, absolutely. Uh, while we're talking about, but while we're talking about BA, uh, Micah has been in touch. He's saying that a first-class round-trip trip 
ticket on BA from the USA to the UK is around about $10,000. If you're travelling with a companion, that's around $20,000. And for all that, all you're going to get is a cold lunch and no alcohol. Yeah. yeah, it's sounding less appealing Indeed. by the minute. Uh, and and so just to top that up, he says, when, when does it become cost-effective to fly with PIP with safe jets? Uh, that's a serious question. Mm. Well, if point, you want your, your food and your alcohol, and excellent piloting, of course, that's, uh, that's the way do to we, go. Do we, get, do we get podcasts a discount with safe jets? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth a try. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Pip's in, in the, the chat, chat room. We could ask him, couldn't we? Yeah, Pip, do we do we do we get a um, family podcast, family discount thing with safe jets? Uh, Just put that out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at about a sixty pound return from Heathrow to Edinburgh. If you can manage that, Pip, that'll mm. be. <laughs> if you can manage that, would be amazing. Yeah, definitely do that. Oh dear, never mind. <laughs> anyway, well, that's uh, food for thought. That mm-hmm. is. And that is where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. So uh, enjoyed that. That was some good stories there, guys. Well done. Uh, We have uh, got a very special part of the show coming up next. So for those of you guys who are uh, in lockdown and you kind of wanted to have a little bit of something different to listen to, we thought we'd create a new segment for the show, which uh, Matt and Captain Al have put together. So Matt... What have we got to look forward to? Um, well, I think what we could, the best thing we can do, really, uh, as I've got so many buttons to press, is shall we have a listen and then we'll talk about it afterwards. Ooh. Hey guys, so welcome to a, a new segment uh, where the object of the exercise is to debunk a few of the myths involving uh, aircraft. As everybody knows, I'm a bit of a, uh, an, a very much a novice and also a bit of a nervous flyer. And I thought uh, we would uh, perhaps use this as an opportunity to get a few of those questions answered that, that uh, people might have about uh, flying in general. And I can't think of anyone better to uh, have these conversations with than the man who essentially, uh, with a bit of help from my friend Owen, managed to get me in the air uh, all those years ago uh, to go over to the States. So it gives me great pleasure to say hello, Captain Al. Uh, Hello, Matt. And uh, what would you give right now to be back in the air? yeah, weirdly, I, I, I actually, yeah, I, I am, even I'm weirdly missing <laughs> it right now. It's just more because, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Now that it's not there, um, I kind of, uh, I, I kind of wish it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, yes. there we are. So now, actually, interestingly enough, this leads into my first question for you, actually. So I was having a family Zoom call um, a couple of uh, Sundays ago. Really, that's what spurred this, this on. Uh, and we were talking about going to visit my uh, auntie who lives in Northern Ireland. And one of the things that my uncle Rob said during that conversation is, oh, I don't really fancy getting in on board one of those aluminium tubes, uh, in, uh, breathing in everybody else's air. And really, my first question in, the, in this little uh, series of segments is, um, how, how, does the air, how do the air systems actually work in, in most aircraft? Is, is it filtered? Um, is it, are, are people really recycling, um, you know, basically breathing in their, everybody else's air? Okay, well, let's take a, a couple of minutes to, to go back a little bit. So uh, the air that we breathe in the cabin uh, is the same air that we would breathe 
outside of the aircraft, it's nothing particularly special. But we do have to do a few special things as the aeroplane climbs because as we probably all appreciate, as we go above about 10 to 14,000 feet, depending on our health, it becomes more and more difficult. Uh, just one myth, it's not that there's less oxygen the higher up you go, it's just that the molecules are further spread out. So the proportion of oxygen is exactly the same as it is everywhere else on planet Earth. So what we have to do is we have to pressurize the cabin so that everybody can keep breathing because it's not too good if we take everybody flying, they all pass out passing 14,000 feet and die. So what we do is we have to pressurize the cabin. How do we do that? Well, we pump large amounts of air into it and we get the cabin, uh, you know, up to a point where there's more air going in than can come out. So we create a positive pressure. And as the aeroplane climbs up to 37, 38,000 feet, the cabin is held around about 8,000 feet. Now, people will say, why is it not at sea level? Well, it would have to be a lot thicker to do that because the pressure would be phenomenal. If we increase the thickness of the aircraft, structure then it's heavy and therefore would be too difficult to fly so 8000 feet is the happy compromise so where does that air come from well it comes from the air conditioning packs and what we do is we take air that has come from the outside comes part away through the engine so you know that big fan at the front of the engine mm. well that sucks air in and it is just a fan. There's nothing particularly clever about the front of it, although that's where most of the thrust comes from. So we take some of the air that that fan is sucking in, and then we put it through some compressors and turbines. Uh, we heat it up, cool it down, squeeze it a bit, and then we feed that air into the cabin. And what happens is that that is fresh air from outside. Now, as we get higher and higher, the air becomes less and less moist. And therefore, if we didn't have some form of moisture control, the air would be extremely dry. And if you've ever been out into the desert or somewhere where the air is incredibly dry, you will find that you dehydrate significantly and clever bits of your body like your sinuses will dehydrate and it becomes very, very uncomfortable. So, it's not really practical to carry large buckets of water around and sprinkle it around the cabin to hydrate the cabin to increase the humidity. But what we can do is we can recycle some of the air back into the cabin. And this is where the myth comes from. So the first thing is that any air that we're going to recycle goes through a very clever filter. It's a HEPA filter. It's exactly the same sort of filters that they have in hospitals. So we put it through a filter. That filter uh, removes more than 99.9% .9 of the particles within it. And that includes things like bacteria, virus, much, much larger particles like dust. And then we put that back with the fresh air into the cabin. Now, here's something else to consider. In an aircraft, we're changing the air in the cabin about every two or three minutes. So the air that you're exposed to now will be completely removed from the cabin in three minutes time. Now, if you compare that to sort of a, 
uh, a hospital uh, operating theatre. Uh, they move the air around uh, about every 10 minutes and an office probably about every 20 minutes. And your $64 million question is probably going to be how much of the air is recycled? Well, as you probably know, I'm a bit of an Airbus guy, so uh, I can speak for the Airbus, and it's less than half of the air is recycled. Remember, it's filtered air. So what we're trying to do is to create the best possible environment on the aircraft and to try to make it as clean as possible. And all this took place all before COVID-19. So the only reason that people tend to think, oh, I was on an aeroplane and a guy next to me was coughing and then I got the cold is in exactly the same way as if you were on a bus or in an office or they were in your living room. If the germs are spread person to person, there's not a lot we can do about it. But I can assure you those germs do not pass through the filters. Wow. So there's, uh, yeah. so it, it, essentially, so the, some some of the air that's in the in the cabin does actually remain in the, ca the air, remain in the cabin, um, but it but it is essentially very highly filtered before it goes back. Yeah, so it's recirculated. So around about sixty to seventy percent in the air of the air in the cabin has come from the outside. We'll call that fresh air, and then around about forty to thirty percent is recirculated air and as part of that recirculation process it goes through these HEPA filters. Uh, HEPA standing for high efficiency particulate arresters. Oh. <laughs> wow okay so so and, and the, are these these filters I mean how often are they changed? So they're changed when the aircraft goes in for a maintenance check uh, which is usually every few hundred hours or so. What is happening right now with COVID is that the filters have been changed on a more frequent basis. Now, obviously at the moment, aircraft aren't flying as much as they would have done prior to COVID. So it's not that it's changed on a daily, weekly basis. It's a function of the number of flying hours. Captain Al, thank you. My pleasure. There you are. First oh, that was informative, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that was the object of the exercise. And uh, guys, genuinely, uh, if you have any questions, uh, we're wanting to aim this more at... Uh, you as a passenger so we don't want to go into the nuts and bolts of engines and all that kind of thing so we're, we're purely thinking from the passenger focus obviously if no, you want to get episode 20 yeah you're right indeed well if you want to get into the nuts <laughs> and bolts of it i mean because obviously al is on uh you know the plane safety podcast and they talk about exactly uh these sort of things in much more detail obviously the more technical elements uh, uh, about it obviously on there but so this is very much aimed at like people like me basically who don't know uh, a great deal about aviation but are intrigued to know how things work on the aircraft when they're they're flying about so uh, if you've got any ideas or questions that you would like me to put to captain al in our marvelous new segment then please either email them into us or pop them in the chat room now so that we can get them in the show notes and um, next time we have our recording session we'll make sure that it's included i think we agreed that we're going to be talking we're going to be uh, learning about lightning strikes next week yes which is i'm looking forward to that no it's a great idea matt i'll tell you honestly really good hats off to you it's a good idea to do this because obviously it is it is questions that people do ask and it might be questions that people ask even when they're sitting there 
in their comfy passenger seat waiting to take off. It's those questions that go around in your head. And yeah, quite rightly, Matt, you should ask these questions, especially to someone as knowledgeable as Captain Al. I mean, we're getting lots of helpful questions, like from Chris Griggs, who's saying, so where do they inject the mind control chemicals? Obviously, that's a, <laughs> that is an option. Uh, but uh, yeah, wait there for we the chemtrail questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, in. no, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, seriously, guys, uh, we'd love to have uh, some of your questions answered. So uh, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. That's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, or uh, then, uh, pop them in the chat room and we can get them in our little show notes bit to uh, decide what we're going to talk to him about next but we'd love your help and feedback in, in making what I think could be a really good segment so uh, uh, yeah anyway I enjoyed it I enjoyed it, it nothing yeah. else it gave me a good excuse to have a chat with Captain Al it's uh, always nice to speak exactly to indeed and he's in the chat room as well so. is he oh brilliant thanks Captain Al great job yeah brilliant so we're going to move on to the next part of the show then, as always. It's the grey stuff section or the military sec uh, segment of the show. Uh, obviously, our mum is not with us, but we've got some stories to get through. So if everyone is ready, yeah, yes. let's go. First uh, story on the military segment this week. It's a sad story. It's always horrible to hear these stories, and it's also one that's local to uh, to me and Matt here. This is on the BBC.co.uk website, and uh, most of you will have heard of the U.S. Air Force fighter jet which crashed into the North Sea. Now, the F-15C Eagle from the 48th Fighter Wing at RAF Lakenheath in Suffolk crashed shortly after 9.30 BST while on a training mission. Uh, the wreckage of the aircraft, uh, which uh, was thought to have crashed 74 nautical miles off the East Yorkshire coast, was found, and uh, the cause of the crash is yet currently unknown. Colonel William Marshall, Colonel Will Marshall of the 48th Fighter Wing, RAF Lake, and he said, the pilot of the downed F-15C Eagle from the 48th Fighter Wing uh, has been located, he said, and confirmed deceased. Uh, they're not released the name of the pilot until after the next of kin. Obviously, they always would do that. But he did say that it's a tragic loss for the 48th Fighter Wing community and our deepest condolences, he said, go out to the pilot's family and the 493rd Fighter Squadron. So the F-15C, a single-seater air defence fighter, is a modern jet that has been used by the U.S. Air Force since 1979. RAF Lakenheath is the largest U.S. Air Force base in England and home to its only F-15 wing fighter uh, in a wing set in Europe. Um, it's also worth noting as well, like I said, that um, where me and Matt live here is very, very close to where uh, these guys train. So we tend to see these in the air above us quite a bit, which we have this week especially. Um, so the uh, identity of the pilot, uh, which has been released on the 16th of June, um, and uh, with the next of King notifications complete, they did confirm that the pilot killed in the incident uh, was First Lieutenant Kenneth Allen, Assistant Chief of Weapons and Tactics for the 493rd Fighter Squadron. Allen first arrived at the 48th Fighter Wing in February 2020 and is survived by his wife and parents. They said that we are deeply saddened by the loss of Lieutenant Allen and mourn with his family and fellow Reapers 
in the 493rd uh, Fighter Squadron. A tremendous outpouring of love and support and emotion from all our communities has been a ray of light in this time of darkness, said Colonel Will Marshall, 48th Fighter Wing Commander. Um, yeah, it's incredibly sad news. I remember that when this news broke and actually that the morning that this broke, I remember this was an incredibly foggy morning here, especially uh, where we live here, but it was probably very foggy as well on the coast, uh, not far from where this uh, happened. But it's always sad, isn't it, guys, when you see these stories, especially when these guys are, you know, on training missions uh, yeah. away from base. Uh, do you know, I, I was... Um... I don't know why I thought this at the time when I heard about it. I was fully expecting the rescue service. Oh, yeah, well, we found the pilot. and, mm. and you, know, he's, you, know, bit... you, you assume they'll just eject, don't you, in yeah. these situations? Um, but uh, no, it's tragically not. And uh, yeah, the ladies and gentlemen of the military, whether it's US, uh, British or, or whoever, they do a tremendous job. And uh, we must always remember that they are in fast jets and things can go wrong sometimes. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, terribly sad. Okay. It's worth a note actually to to honour uh, the fallen aviator F-15E Strike Eagles from the 494th Fighter Squadron conducted a missing man formation, uh, a time honoured tradition uh, for the Liberty Wing Airmen that is no longer with us. So yeah, yeah. Um, so the next article then um, is. Well, you know how the military and commercial aviation actually like using lots of acronyms all the time. You can't have enough of them in aviation, can you? I thought our industry, a audiovisual and video, used lots of acronyms, but no, that the uh, the military uh, far exceed uh, mine. So bear with us because I'm going to go through some of these, if that's okay. Um, but the article is quite interesting in itself. And it says that the fact that GPS is vulnerable to jamming, spoofing or physical threats is widely known. What's less well recognised is the variety of types of uh, GPS that you can get. Um, uh, so the alternative position, navigation and timing solutions, which is uh, the acronym is APNT, includes passive approaches like using computer vision, which is essentially cameras, star tracking or terrain following navigation solutions. While it's useful when GPS is interrupted, they are limited by the visual environment, weather and the lack of landmarks over water. That's where a new magnetic anomaly navigation technique, MAGNEV, being researched at the US, sorry, at the Air Force Institute of Technology, AFIT, may come in. Air Force Major Aaron J. Kanchani, an assistant professor of electrical engineering at AFIT, has been at work designing algorithms for MAGNEV flight testing for several years. Realistic testing has also taken, already taken place in limited fashion using uh, private survey aircraft. But in September, Magnev uh, sensors and software will be flown on Air Force Test Pilot School, AFTPS, F-16s over a special test range adjacent to Edwards Air Force Base uh, in Nevada. Uh, features of the Earth's magnetic field differ across the globe, not unlike the variation in topography over land. Like land features, they remain fairly stable over time, so you can use them as landmarks for navigation. But unlike land features, they can also be found in the oceans, uh, which cover two-thirds of the Earth's surface. This could make them highly 
relevant to the military which operates at sea at least as often as over land. The inherent difficulty of jamming or interfering with Magnev, uh, Magnav sorry, makes it even more appealing. In simple terms, magnetic anomaly navigation works by using uh, uh, magneto magnetometer uh, sensors which uh, measure differences in magnetic field as one passes by them. These variations can be compared with known features in magnetic field maps and can then be interpreted to determine the position. Kanchani often gets asked about how accurate MagNav is. The reference point is always the three meter accuracy of GPS. One of the worst things people do when they discuss uh, alternative PNT is to pretend that everything needs GPS accuracy, he says. In ideal conditions, uh, MagNav could also could be accurate to 10 meters, but uh, different conditions and lower quality magnetic maps may mean it's only good for one kilometer accuracy. That doesn't phase Kanchani or likely the Air Force, who points out that there's a whole slew of Department of Defense missions that do not require GPS accuracy, likely a significant higher percentage than those which do. Um, these have already been fitted and flight tested with dimensions no bigger than a US quarter in some cases. They're, they're the very size, weight and power friendly since they're used in commercial applications. They're also off the shelf and the magnetic maps uh, they can utilize already exist within the industry, the uh, military and government agencies. The upcoming MagNav tests on airport test pilot flight school, F-16s, appear to be an opportunity of convenience for both AFIT and AFTPS. Uh, successful testing could channel more effort and research funding into MagNav and offer the US another alternative PNT system in addition to non-GPS uh, satellite systems. That was hard work, I must say. So if you just want a uh, review of all of those um, uh, acronyms that I went through, APNT, Alternative Position, Navigation and Timing Solutions, PNT, Position, Navigation and Timing, AFIT, Air Force Institute, Institute of Technology, AFTPS, Air Force Test Pilot School, and MAGNAV, Magnetic Anomaly Navigation. So uh, if you wanted an article with the most number of acronyms i think we have probably achieved that don't you i think magnev sounds better i i prefer that because it's easier for me to say yeah. <laughs> oh dear uh, lot, so we got there yes there is uh, oh, interesting oh, technology isn't it very interesting mm. uh, so just one final uh, military bit of news then uh, it's on uh, naval news uh, com. And it says that the decks of HMS Queen Elizabeth are roaring with the sound of F-35 lightning jets as the famous Dambuster squadron landed on the aircraft carrier for the first time this week. Pilots, engineers, cyberspace and mission support staff from 617 Squadron, the UK's operational strike squadron, embarked uh, the carrier over the weekend during a quick stop in Portsmouth for supplies before the aircraft themselves landed on board. It marks the first time that 617 Squadron, famously known as the Dambusters, has fully joined HMS Queen Elizabeth as the UK prepares to deploy the next generation of squadron of fighter aircraft to operate from the sea. The F-35 jets that landed on board this week will be the same aircraft that will sail next year with the ship for her maiden Global Carrier Strike Group 21 deployment. The 2021 deployment will see the Royal Navy Carrier Strike Group sail in the Mediterranean Sea, the Persian Gulf and end up in the Pacific. 
Uh, the ship will also carry 24 F-35B jets, including U.S. Marine Corps aircraft, in addition to a number of helicopters. The uh, F-35s began initial pilot qualification period right away. The uh, jets will then exercise defending carrier groups by maintaining combat air patrols, uh, launching and flying strike missions on simulated land targets and being held on deck to launch at very short notice. Um, so that's uh, a pretty interesting uh, piece of news, isn't it? And uh, Commander Mark Sparrow, who's the commanding officer of 617 Squadron, says, we are excited to be on board the carrier and we've been training hard to be here. This is the first time that the ship's operational squadron has embarked and worked together. The F-35 brings next-generation capability to UK defence through its ability to find, destroy or avoid enemy air defences and enemy aircraft whilst gathering intelligence data. So that's uh, that a well. really piece of great piece of news, that isn't it? Mm. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, great little video with that. Mm. That's on there. But uh, I was lucky to catch one of these over came over last weekend. Oh, you did? You um, say you did? Didn't you? Yes, I, I I literally grabbed the the, the big lens, yeah. whack whacked it on the uh, the Canon body and. Um, managed to, to grab a few shots of him as he flew over on his own single on his own f-35 but uh yeah it's quite quite good to see because it's not very often you get to catch them no, flying over because you normally hear them and there's normally so much cloud cover yeah. you, you don't you don't see them but uh yeah that's a good story so the last story on the military segment this week and uh this one is uh, all about uh, options for hiring private aerial refueling companies. So the U.S. Air Force has released a report it sent to Congress early this year about how it might make use of private contractors to provide aerial refueling services to support various non-combat training and testing activities. The service has been exploring this for years now, but there's been an increase in impetus for doing so, given that the uh, recent, uh, given significant issues with the K-46A Pegasus tanker aircraft. Uh, the Air Force has said it will not uh, use those aircraft for day-to-day -day refueling operations of any kind except in an emergency until serious problems get fixed, which will take years. This has raised concerns about a tanker gap as its ageing KC-135R which we also had come over here last week, uh, and KC-10A fleets become more difficult to operate and maintain. Air refueling is a critical capability which sustains joint force readiness and enables global power projection to support all uh, national, uh, national air defence strategy mission areas, the report says in its executive summary, uh, and a recent testimony by commander of the Eustranscom. Blimey, that's a mouthful. And it indicates the aerial refueling fleet is their most uh, stressed capability and enough uh, and a number of readiness concerns and degraded readiness of the existing aerial refueling force delays in delivery of capable K-46s. Plan for structure reductions of the KC-10s and KC-135s and forecasted increases in aerial refueling demand indicate a critical and deepening shortfall in taskable aerial refueling aircraft and air crews especially over the next five to seven years. Uh, Transcom did initially uh, initial market research in 2018 before consulting directly with the AMC. The two organizations established the Commercial Air Refueling Working Group to further explore available options in 2019. 
That year, after multiple discussions with representatives from the private industry, the working group crafted five possible contracting options, which are as follows. The first proposed option is to simply have, uh, have contractors fly Air Force tankers as part of government-owned contractor and operated arrangements, uh, or COGO. Uh, this is a concept the US military as a whole routinely employs for various activities, including aerial intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance operations. In this particular case, the main challenge would be the time necessary to certify contractors to operate US government-owned aircraft. On top of that, it's not clear if this plan would be viable, at all given that primary issue and lack of available tankers. Well, there's plenty at Brunting Thorpe, to be fair. They're all tri-stars. As well as the age of the aircraft in service now. Uh, the second potential course of action to report outlined is, is to sell or lease surplus aerial refueling tankers to private contractors. At present, there are 14 KC-135Rs at the Boneyard at Davis Montana Airport or Force Base in Arizona, as well as numerous older KC-135 models though the exact state of these aircraft is unclear. Additional KC-135Rs, as well as KC-10s, could become available to private companies when and if the Air Force is able to proceed with its retirement plans for those aircraft. The Air Force's third proposal is to recommend contractors purchase surplus boom-equipped tankers from foreign governments, particularly those that the service previously facilitated the sale of through the following military sales, or FMS program. Since Air Force Material Command was technically the original purchaser of the aircraft, primarily KC-135s delivered to various allies and partners around the world, they are already being all certified to meet these standards. The fourth potential course of action uh, the Air Force outlined is hiring private contractors to fly non-combat uh, non aerial refueling missions using commercial aircraft converted into boom-equipped tankers. Uh, this, of course, would require those companies to buy suitable aircraft, modify them, and certify them to meet the service's standards. The war zone previously learned that a small contractor called Bison Aerospace and Defense explored what it might take to convert an Airbus A310 into a boom-equipped tanker, but it's unclear what, if anything, ever came from that effort. So they've reached out uh, in the past without getting a response, unfortunately, from these. The fifth and final potential option would be for contractors to acquire brand new tankers from aircraft manufacturers. Oh, that would impress Airbus. Uh, the Air Force would stipulate that these existing would be existing commercial off-the-shelf designs to help keep costs low, but the server still estimated the average cost for these uh, aircraft, which uh, aerial fueling companies would have to pay up front, would be around $300 million each. The cost per flying hour for the solutions range from $15,000 to $27,000, but could drop between $12,000 and $15,000 once the contract capability was established. The report says, but it does not specify which options the cost estimates apply to, and commercial contractors desire a long-term contract structure uh, of possibly up to 10 years in order to obtain necessarily return on the investment. The report also reveals that the present costs of the Air Force of an exorbitant $98,000 per flight hour to operate the KC-46s, despite their limited capabilities, though the cost uh, flying hour projections for the KC-46 will decrease as the program possesses to a steady state. 
By comparison, the KC-135Rs, which we have lots of flying around here in East Anglia, uh, cost per flight hour to operate is $26,000, while that of the KC-10 is $23,000. There's also another story that follows on from this, which is regarding the KC-46, which also came um, online this week. And that was regarding um, the fact that they've found more rubbish or trash, as our American listeners would know, in the re new refueling tankers. So we've obviously had a few stories like this in the past. So they're obviously still uh, finding rubbish within the uh, fuel tanks of these new KC-46As, which are coming off the assembly line, which um, is kind of worrying, really, because you How think that... Um, or can we take about the the KC-46 in terms of its rather treacherous journey? Uh, it's, as, uh, it's just so much that's gone on with that aircraft, isn't it? It just worries me that they don't just get a hoover and just hoover these air aircraft out before they, you know. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Gosh. Am I missing something? Do they... <laughs> okay, you need uh, a big hoover. I get that. Uh, you know, yeah, industrial yeah. grade, but that, that's fine. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but uh, no, the the KC forty six isn't it funny? You know, you, you know, obviously based on a Boeing seven six seven book, you know, a lot of modifications that yeah, goes yeah. with it. So you've you've got the basis of one of the most successful commercial aircraft that's ever flown, really, uh, in terms of its role and its flexibility in in the commercial world. Try and stick it into the uh, military world with all the stuff that you need to go with it, and it's it's really had a lot of problems, isn't it? Mm, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah, and it's yeah. costing them a lot of money as well, which yeah. they can't afford to lose with the max being the way it is. Quite. There we go. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So that is where we bring the military segment to a close. Matt, are you still with us? No, he's not still with us. He's, he's gone to um, see a man about a dog, I think. He's got the powder his nose. That's fine. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, well, so coming up uh, next, we thought, you know, we were at the beginning of the show, we talked about the um, uh, aerobility um, uh, armchair air show, didn't we? And we thought that you might like to see the um, uh, segment that Matt did with uh, Nick from aerobility. This goes back to uh, the Biggin Hill air show of 2019, which we very much enjoyed. Uh, so uh, why don't we have a look at that interview? Because it's really interesting. So I'm here with Nick. This is the Aerability British Flying Charity. So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, myself, I'm a retired commercial pilot. And at the end of my flying career, I renewed my instructor's rating and How are we doing on aerobility and began instructing there on a volunteer basis. So, I've, I mean, I've been reading some of the literature here this morning. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating. Tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, Aerability does. Aerability itself, uh, it's a flying charity, so we'll take uh, any kind of disability um, and we'll get that person into an aeroplane, give them a flying experience, uh, and it might be just a one-off uh, trip. Uh, it might well be going for a licence. I mean, we've, we put through probably at least, I'd say, five PPLs a year. Oh wow! So it's more than just a, like a like a getting them in the air type thing. It's the, there's, there's an end goal to it if, if oh, that's what they want. There can be yes, whatever want, people want to make of it. And of course, a lot of our clients are, um, uh, are military people that have been injured and lost course, limbs yeah. and that sort of thing. Uh, we've got uh, five aircraft altogether, 
four of whom have been adapted uh, with hand controls so that wheelchair users are able to fly them and even get licenses oh, wow. um, you know by just flying uh, with hands okay so I mean I mean obviously that's obviously an expensive uh, thing to do to have the adapt so what sort of planes have you got what what is the, the fleet yes we have three Piper warriors uh, all of which are, ha are uh, adapted uh, we've got a, a two-seat aircraft, a, a Technam aeroplane, Italian built, and that's actually the first aircraft ever uh, that's been um, factory built for disabled people with hand controls built into the aeroplane. Wow. And then the, we've got a six-seat aeroplane which isn't adapted, um, but we use that for giving experience flights and for touring. I mean, we do a lot of touring with uh, uh, our disabled pilots all around the Europe and that sort of thing. And the Cherokee 6 is really handy for you know, piling in wheelchairs and uh, hoisting equipment that we need to take with us. So, so you're here with a, a, another company that, that are helping you with this this stand, you were saying? Yes, we're also with, uh, alongside, we're sharing the stand with the Bardas Bus Company. Okay. And their main claim to fame for this year, of course, is that they are the first uh, disabled display team uh, that has ever been in the UK. So all of the pilots in the Bardas Bus Company display team are disabled pilots. Wow. So, so your background, obviously, you're a keen aviator. I mean, oh, sure. what sort of led you to this point here? So you're saying you're a private pilot? I started a private pilot. I used to work for British Airways for many years, but um, I've spent most of my flying career flying business jets. So VIPs, pop stars right. and film stars, that sort of thing. Um, and coming to the end of that, um, it was actually one of the cabin crew that I used to fly with um, was working already with Airability on a volunteer basis. And she said to me, I'll oh, just pop in and say hello. Come in and have a cup of tea. That's that, how all these things start. That was it? six years ago, and yeah. I'm still here. So Fantastic. and loving it. It's, well, you, as I say you're clearly loving it. I mean, you can see through the enthusiasm and everything. It just well, looks the idea. Like, I mean, that a lot of people, even able-bodied people, many people think I couldn't possibly fly an aeroplane, but take somebody who's disabled, yeah. and that's multiplied. Yeah, more. You can't help but feel more challenged by that. Absolutely. That. But my experience as an instructor, when I get somebody who's severely disabled get them airborne then say right you have control and they are actually flying the airplane wow. that sense of joy that they get from that I get to you know experience that time and time again I bet well I mean it sounds like a very rewarding program but so it's tell great. us a little bit about how people uh, get in touch if they want to get involved and right. how they could perhaps donate yeah sure we're based at Blackbush Airport um, and we're very very welcome and opening anybody that's driving by is welcome to come in have a cup of tea um, but uh, we've got a website. Yeah, although be careful with that because otherwise you could be there for six years if I that's know, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> but that's all right. But you yeah. know, that's everybody, even the cleaning lady that's, that cleans the office in the evening. She oh, said, right. I'd leave this place till last. She said, it's the happiest place that, I, uh, that I work at. Yeah. So uh, it, yeah. it's that sort of atmosphere we have. Uh, we get quite a lot of big sponsorship from, uh, we sponsorship from Boeing, uh, from the National Air Traffic Service. Um, British Airways even oh, so um, you know we get sponsorship from uh, a wide range um, and people we've got buckets here so yeah. people that come by at the show today they're very welcome to buy our merchandise and uh, and donate fantastic um, so uh, there's a website I assume there is a website airability.com just have a look at it it's got the telephone contacts there and the the main message is it doesn't matter how severe is the disability yeah. we can accommodate you can get it. you in the air somehow yeah, yeah. the only it. time i've ever had to turn somebody away where there were possibly unpredictable behavioral okay. problems yep. but yeah. um you know i've had three blind to people three uh, students totally blind to come along for an aviation experience wow. so you know there is no limit it really is open to all absolutely fantastic yeah. well thank you very much for your time nick it sounds like a fascinating project right. and we all wish you the best of luck with it thanks very much right my pleasure Oh, isn't that interesting?
Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, all memories of uh, <laughs> Biggin Hill 2019 as well. Uh, but it just shows what uh, fantastic work the guys and girls at Aerobility do, isn't it, Carlos? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome to see, you know, that, that everyone can kind of get the, the chance to do, you know, what, you know what, what they should be able to do, really. And it's always oh, nice. Do you, do you remember uh, those times when we could go to air shows? Do you remember that? I, um, it's a yeah. distant memory. It's a very distant memory. <laughs> Quite indeed. There we are. Never mind. All part no. of the fun. That was good. That was Matt. You. Uh, that was. Uh, that was a really good day. And, and it was. You know, for wasn't those it? Who, who didn't? Uh, who might have missed those? If you go back to our previous shows from last year with the Big and Hill footage and the interviews uh, we've done, we. Um, yeah, we had a. We had a damn good, damn good weekend. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And they sport was rotten as well, didn't they? They really yeah, did. Yes. Yeah. Have we uh, possibly got uh, an Armando? He's he's kind of joined us, uh, ish. He's about to board a shuttle, I think, somewhere oh. off on an aircraft. Wow! Not not. Well, hey guys, this is a very quick hello. I am at the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport, about to board my shuttle back to uh, my car. So I will be listening in the background. Yay! We miss you, Armando. Uh, it's a shame I wasn't. I miss you guys too. Shame I wasn't on there today. I'm sure it was a great show. I'm sure it was the best ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, the joys of life, care, hey? Young man, yes. The joys uh, of life, I know. He looks so professional. Does he look so smart? I know. He does. I know. He puts, he, well, I mean, for so many reasons, he always puts us to shame, let's be honest. I know. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're going to start to wrap up the show, but we're looking to the week ahead, and we're going to, for the benefit of those of you guys and girls who have tuned in this evening watching on YouTube, and uh, obviously for those of you who listen to the audio show, for next week, uh, we have uh, managed to, to get a guest uh, on the show from uh, the series which is currently airing on Quest TV. For those of you who may watch Quest TV, I know it's on the Freeview here. I'm, I don't know if you can get that in the States. Probably someone in the chat room will be able to put me right or not. But uh, next week on the show, we've got uh, the guys from the Plane Reclaimers joining us on the show. Now, these guys are one to watch for sure on, uh, on their channel on YouTube. And uh, they're the guys who dismantle commercial airliners and recycle all the various parts of the airlines. So it's uh, they're going to be on the show next week. So that should be fun. But uh, what's everyone up to next week, Mr. Bones? What's going on in the world? Oh well, um, I be, be I'm going to be driving my car because I'm <gasps> going to see a, a couple of customers, uh, which I know is just how about that for a concept, you know? Um, but uh, so I'll be going up to the, well, I'll be going sort of York area uh, there and back in a day um, in the car and then uh, some other bits and pieces later on in the week. Um, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm hoping, well, it's going to be hot weather next week. We're going to be up to 30 degrees, uh, they tell me, um, early mm. part of next week. So um, that'll be a bit warm, won't it? I think yes. right there, it's going to be very warm. And uh, Mr. Smith, Matt, what are you up to uh, next week? I'm guessing, obviously, you're, uh, you've got lots of um, kind of audiovisual work to do in the studio. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, as I say, was, somebody sat down and, and recorded an alarming amount of segments with Captain Al one night. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of work to be, to be done, done with that. Al... Um, 
Ned very kindly sort of helped me put some stingers and stuff together. So yeah, but uh, no, I'm looking forward to bringing uh, bringing a few more uh, uh, of the, the of our new segment uh, in in the coming weeks. Yeah, and don't forget, guys and girls watching, if you've uh, got some questions that you want Matt to ask Al, those questions that you you, you want you, the answer to, seat, you want the answer to when you're sitting in that seat, looking out that window in seat one A, if you're Nev. And you want to know the answer, just uh, let us know. Podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. Next week, uh, I don't know what we're doing next week. I'm a bit of this, a bit of that, you know, a bit of gardening. We've had a new fence fitted, so it may, may be some painting going on next week for me in the back garden. Or may not be. Painting in the back garden? Do you mean your fence? Yes, the right. fence, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Make it sound like you were painting some kind of mural. That was what I was well, that, that, I, I would I would love to do that on the fence, right. but I, I don't think that would go down too well with Gemma. So No, indeed. She likes things. The painting right. of the fence will will, will do. But, yes. Yeah. Okay. Brownie and point, any brownie points scored. I shall also be doing lots of simming next week. I think I'm just, just I've been trying to dabble in the world of landing trying to land a seven three seven dash eight hundred into random airports over the globe so i'll be doing that next week but uh, also don't forget as well everyone who's listening that all important zoom call tomorrow night it's going to be a kind of oh matt what do we say it's a kind of meet down the pub absolutely that's the plan yeah, yeah absolutely as i say we might have a bit of a quiz as well so uh because uh, yes. we can spotlight videos and things like that so we can do some pic uh, i think well you, you, they're quite traditional with you aren't they a little picture round of some description yes. so we'll have to put that <laughs> I'll put a picture round together yeah absolutely yeah. i've worked out so how on zoom, i've worked out how on zoom you can pin the 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 master video you know so it'll be fun. oh good we'll I'll work send you a out. file full of stuff oh goody can't wait yeah yay <laughs> Uh, so email the show if you haven't already done so if you're watching now watching the live youtube stream if you email the show podcast at plaintalkinguk.com let us know you want to join us um tomorrow evening at 7 p.m at 7 p.m uk time and uh, matt will email you or our producer john will email you a link to that zoom call you can join us and uh, we'll all share one of these or three uh, quite absolutely 15 looking forward mad. to it. it's going to be a lot of fun yes so um yeah i mean it's it's been a fantastic show as always we're going to say a big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the youtube chat room tonight uh, all the usual family members in there so thanks for joining us and also a big thanks to everyone who downloads the show through all the various podcast kind of streaming platforms and also don't forget if you do download the show through itunes and you're listening to us now if you could take yourself onto itunes and give us a little review that would be absolutely fantastic also don't forget our website all the you can find all the details about us find out about uh, who we are what we're doing and what we love and also the all-important store button where you can click on and grab yourself PTUK t-shirt which I know a few people in the chat room do have their own ones as well and also that whatsapp number if you want your picture your aviation themed picture on the green screen behind Matt in the PTUK studios you can send that picture into plus four four seven five seven two two 
49166. You can also send audio messages into that number as well. If you want to send us some audio feedback, you can send those into there as well. And also on the website, don't forget as well, our Patreon and our PayPal links if you fancy donating a few few pennies to the show. And I can announce actually that tonight while we've been uh, broadcasting the live show that we've got a new Patreon donator who has joined us. So a big thanks to you. I know you're in the chat room, so thank you very much. And a big thanks to all our Patreon donators who donate to the show. Uh, we've invested in another new piece of kit, haven't we, Matt, here in the studio with me. Mm, absolutely. Uh, finally, which, you've got a decent finally. mic, everyone. We're very excited. Yes, I've, <laughs> <laughs> I've got a decent mic now after Woo-hoo! all this time. And uh, yeah, it's, 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 I'm right in the thinking, Matt, it's the same mic as what Armando uses in his. Oh, studio. very much so. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and, and uh, several of the APG crew use it as well. That's why it was chosen. Yeah. Uh, ideal good. for the conditions to which you are sat in, shall we say? Yes. And it's yeah. also going to be great for us to do outside interviews and stuff. So big mm. thanks to everyone who helps through Patreon for mm. that. And so, PayPal. And PayPal as well. And the Amazon link. PayPal. Oh, and the Amazon link, yes, which I you'd be pleased to know, Matt, I did use twice this week. Oh, very so. good. Absolutely. Actually, actually, on that, before we finish the show, Matt, did, have you had a look on Amazon yet to see what the uh, No, I'm, I'm too scared. I daren't. <laughs> I'm so frightened about looking. I daren't. I'm worried. I'm worried. I'm worried what Nev's been buying. Yeah, well, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Nev, what have you been purchasing? It's more what Captain Al might have been buying. That's what I'm worried about. Yeah, that's probably more like it. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so don't forget to join us next week for uh, episode number 324. And don't forget as well, if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, click that all-important subscribe button and subscribe to the show. So... Uh, That's it for episode number 323. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing. Stay safe and stay healthy, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you all again next Friday evening. So from me here in my studio, from Matt over in the PTUK studios, and from Nev over in the NevTech studios, take care. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.